Hey everybody, it's episode 183 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam Brennan and I am joined by my friend Dave Hogue. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? You know, all things being equal, I <laughs> am doing okay, but man, stuff in the world, Dave, is just, it, it is upsetting sometimes. Most of the agree. time, it, it seems like. Um, it's like if you want to look for bad news, you can find it. Uh, yes. And so I think part of me longs for ignorance because it truly is bliss. <laughs> ignorance is bliss, yes. But at the same time, it, it seems irresponsible to chase after that and immature. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I don't enjoy don't enjoy bad news or people doing terrible things to other people. Um, but I agree. that is the world we live in. And I think I just have to get better at processing when people do terrible things to other people and trying to focus on what God could do through a terrible situation. Um, it doesn't really involve me, you know, the, the things that I'm thinking of over the last, you know, whether they be recent as in what you told me 20 minutes ago or what has happened, you know, over the last two and a half centuries ish in this country and all over the world, you know, like most of it doesn't involve me directly. But man, when people do terrible things to other people for terrible reasons, it can really mess you up even if you're not directly involved. So it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to imagine the, the depth of pain and trauma that it would, the, the level of, of pain and trauma that someone would endure if it directly affected them. Um, so it's, you know, be nice to other people. Not that that's going to solve the world's problems, but you just don't know what someone else is going through. You know what I mean? You don't know what mm -hmm. they're processing, what they're dealing with. Um, Absolutely. So showing, showing some grace to people just might make them not lose <laughs> their minds. Yes. That was, wow. I don't, listeners, we had a long talk before we recorded about some <laughs> super nasty stuff that's happening that we're not going to get into because it's, it's no. just depressing and sad, but I just, just be nice to people and show them some love in the name of Jesus. And, you know, it'll go a long way. It's not going to solve, it's not going to solve the problem. That won't happen until Jesus comes back, but man, it might help. Yeah. And I would add, I, I would say just, don't look the other way on things. Don't accept excuses. Um, I think when it comes down to it, we all know what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And I think there's an awful lot of, of people not stepping up and not speaking out when they should. And so I would just encourage people to do that as well. Agreed. Well, on a lighter note, Dave, mm -hmm. both of our uh, preferred universities have their men's basketball teams in the Elite Eight. 
which is exciting. Well, I don't know if it's my preferred. Well, but the one that you I've are. I've certainly spent you are more money there. Than yeah, I was about to say, you are indebted to them. <laughs> and they are playing tonight, so. Yeah, they're, it's, so it's Arkansas versus Baylor, and you are, uh, uh, you are tied through some children to the University of Arkansas. Yes, how both you feeling my daughters. About, yeah, okay. how you feeling about that game, Dave? Uh, my prediction is, is that Baylor's going to win. See. But I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful too. I just, I always thought Baylor was a bit overrated, but I'll be honest. I've watched them play once this year, so my opinion is purely I just, I want Michigan well, I th- to be. I think they are overrated. Mm, all right. And UCLA is pure, is clearly underrated. <laughs> well, no, they had a terrible year. They like they <laughs> lost some real bad games. They and they before they beat Michigan State in the play-in game, they had lost their mm-hmm. final four games of the season. So they have just they caught, finally got it together. Well, yeah, they have just caught fire at the absolutely perfect time. Um, and and obviously UCLA is well, not obviously. That's <laughs> not obvious. People might not care. Uh, they are playing the University of Michigan in the Elite Eight uh, tomorrow, as of this recording, and they are my preferred uh, university. And um, oh boy, I hope we beat them real good, real good. Because yes, then, they, then if we win, they really should. Yeah. Well, if 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 Michigan wins, we have the uh, the pleasure of playing Gonzaga in the Final Four. So. Fun. Yeah, you never know what can happen. You never know. You never know. But Virgil. boy, would I like to see them play Gonzaga. I think that would be an incredible game. Yes, I would agree. And then that would put that would put uh, Arkansas through, and they would play Houston. Because as of now, I think Houston's up in Oregon State. So, yeah, I think they're pretty much have that one handled. Yeah. Uh, I like college basketball, Dave. I like it a lot. Oh my gosh, they're like within two points. <laughs> oh gosh, last time I checked, they were down like twelve. I know it's fifty six, fifty eight with under three minutes to go. Oh my goodness! All right, we might have to do some real time follow up when the game's over. <laughs> that was kind of like and whoa. well, and the funny thing is, is by the time this actually gets published, that we'll know who the national champion was like a week and a half prior to this actually coming out. Because yes. you know we record evergreen content that is generally not tied to current events, uh, except for this part of this episode, which is totally yeah, tied when, to yeah. current <laughs> But hey, it is what it is. So, all that being said, uh, yeah. Things are happening in the world, both exciting and tragic. So that makes it uh, that makes it a Monday, I think, Dave. I think that's what it makes <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Just another day. So, last time we were together, we did the first ten verses of chapter seven, talking about the priestly order of Melchizedek. This is true. I wonder if he went by Melky to his friends. Mm, I don't be. know. I mean, he seems like he was the life of the party. So, sure, he was like real good at accents and stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm obviously making fun, but like, it's so hard to. 
picture what this dude and other people in scripture that are painted as like very serious and very pious. And like, you only see like one sliver of their life. Like, you know, Jesus yeah, and not everybody's that way. No. And I'm like, so was Jesus like a goofball or, you know, was he like particularly good at like, I don't know, a sport or a, a drawing or like, you know, like what, what were these super, like these people that are held up as obviously Jesus stands alone in this category, but like, you know, what was Abraham like besides, you know, a guy that would sleep with his wife's concubine at her request, like bro, wrong choice. Uh, <laughs> but like this guy, Melchizedek, he's held up as like this just amazing, you know, before Jesus, one of a kind type of dude. And it's like, what was he like when he was 22? Apparently holy and wonderful, but like, what did he do for fun? Yes. I know it's a silly thing to think about, but. But it is, God created that. Yeah. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing sinful about that, that God created us to, to have, to laugh, to have a sense of humor, to joke. And yeah, so there had to be some degree of that that went on. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know that Jesus was a practical joker, right? Like he walked, he walked on water just to scare the crap out of the disciples. Like, you know, that's why he did it. I'm going to get these guys so good. Like, and you know, if that's sacrilegious, then okay, whatever. But like mission accomplished, right? They thought he was a ghost and they started losing their minds. Or like when he was asleep on the boat, like, you know, he did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Enough of me pontificating about, you know, who liked to do pull my finger jokes back then. Yes. Not gonna, it's not gonna earn me any invites to preach anywhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm a bit terrified that there's a hundred and now 83 episodes of me making stupid comments like this on the internet for anyone to discover. Oh, trust me, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> But hopefully there's there's a couple good points in there, too. Anyways, that being said, we are now going to finish chapter seven. And friends, uh, it's a long couple of verses. We're doing 11 through 28, but it's it's a setup and an explanation. So it's worth reading through the whole thing to understand what the author is is trying to communicate here. Uh, so um, this would probably be really, really it would be beneficial for you to read along to this because it is so much. Uh, obviously, if you're driving, um, please don't. Uh, just remember everything Dave says, but it, it might be helpful for you to have that visual so that you can um, kind of catch the whole story a bit easier. So that's all I got to say, Dave. All right. So if you're not driving... Open your Bibles or your Bible app to Hebrews 11, verse, no, Hebrews 7, verse 11. And we are in the English Standard Version. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is change in the priesthood, 
there was necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with the tribe Moses said, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priest. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witness of him you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former, command, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and useless for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from become they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he, he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Wonderful. Yeah. As I was reading that, I was like, man, there's a lot in there. <laughs> there, There is and, a lot. And not just words, but there's a lot in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so I, I think it's probably best to sum up the first part here pretty quick and then get to the the more meaty conclusion um, I would agree. In, in all of that. So essentially, he's comparing the Levitical priests, right? The descendants of Aaron, Moses' brother. So Melchizedek came back. He was back in Genesis with Abraham. Fast forward to... Moses and the Israelites and Aaron and the priesthood that was then dependent on descendancy. Are you a part of this tribe? Then you're going to be a priest. And so it was all descendants of Aaron. And he's then comparing, well, if Jesus is now a high priest and he's in the order of Melchizedek, that is a shift from the Levitical priesthood back to the priesthood of Melchizedek. And it says, in verse 12, for when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. And we know for uh, certain that when Jesus came, not only did he change the law, he fulfilled the entire thing. So 
It's like one of those sentences in the Bible that's a complete understatement. For when there's a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. And the change we're talking about here isn't just like, now you can go 40 and you used to be able to go 35, right? Yeah. It's, it is a complete fundamental shift in how God interacts with his people, what he expects from his people, how they are told to live, because the entirety of the law has been fulfilled by what Jesus accomplished on the cross and by his resurrection. So by calling out this change in the high priesthood from the Levitical priests to Jesus as a high priest of the order of Melchizedek, like this statement is, it's like Jesus when he claimed to be God in the gospels and how like upset the Pharisees and all of those people got, right? Because they understood the weight of what was being said. It's kind of lost on us a little bit because we're so far removed culturally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, like this concept is massive, right? And it's why Jesus got murdered by the established priesthood because it meant that what they were doing was no longer necessary. And guess what, Dave? People in power like to stay in power. Yes, they do. Did you know that? I did, yeah. Well, it's because you're a smart man, Dave. <laughs> so is there anything that you want to say about those first that first section that I, that I missed or that has dawned upon your wise mind? Uh, I don't think I do have anything to add. Um, yeah, I definitely think, like you said, there's, there's just that, that shift in the traditional thinking, which is consistent with what we see Jesus doing. (laughs) And yeah, so we've arrived at this point of, it goes beyond a, uh, biological lineage as to who is a priest and how they serve. So yeah, I'm good. Right on. So moving on, it says in verse 17, for it is witnessed of him, you are priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that is quoting Psalm 110 verse four. For those of you that are interested. Uh, And then he carries on. In 19, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And this theme of of there being hope and drawing near to God is something that is is a theme in Hebrews. Again, it draws me back to chapter 4. It says, since therefore we have a great high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses, we can, you know, draw near to the throne of mercy in our time of need. Um, that's just such a, that's just such an anchor point in this book that anytime I see this, like, you know, hope through which we can draw near, like it just is always brought back up, which is, um, I think really important for us to remember because oftentimes when I'm in my times of need, I don't want to draw near to God because there's shame and guilt that I'm still feeling, even though I know I shouldn't be feeling it because it's covered. There's still that thing. So I just need that encouragement, right? To just draw near, draw near, draw near. All right. Carrying on. So we'll get to these last like six verses, I think. Seven verses. 
and do my math correctly. That'd be 22 through 28. We're not skipping over the rest of this stuff because it's not important. It's actually really important, but we want to Paul or the Paul. Ha, he didn't write this book. Uh, the author just does such a good job of summing all of it up that I think it's worth focusing on that. So verse 22, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. And that, while a very short sentence, Dave, mm-hmm. whoo, right. that carries some weight. Because yeah, guess what cause... he's telling every Jewish person on the planet? <laughs> and he just says it straight. Like, this makes Jesus, he's the one that guarantees a better covenant. Yeah. Jesus came and has said, I have a better covenant, a new covenant, a better thing for you now. And I can see why they, uh, they didn't like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just a fan of like these super simple statements that in the Bible that just cover so much ground. Like when Paul explains the whole gospel in a single sentence, I just, <laughs> I, it, it want it. I mean, it, it frustrates me because how are you that good? Um, but it just, it, it confirms to me that words are really, really powerful and words mean things for a reason. And the re and we communicate through words for a reason, right? God spoke things into existence. God gave us his word to study and to live by. And so when I come across these, these just really brief sentences that means so much and have such large implications. It's like, I kind of wonder if it's like God just having a little fun, you know, like, and, and maybe that's, um, it's, it's a, it's a reach or whatever. Yeah, maybe, but people can be very, very long winded and verbose and use fancy words like verbose to make themselves look smart and sound smart. and all in, in well-spoken and eloquent and things like that, but nothing is more effective than wisdom in brevity, I think. If you can communicate something true, deep, profound, wise in a very short amount of words, it is way more powerful than a long-winded speech. I think. Yes. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And so I just love finding these bits of the Bible where it's just like, boom, one sentence means like everything to what God is accomplishing. And it's just, it really, those really stand out to me and hit home because it just, it carries so much more power and weight to me. If the, hopefully that made some sort of sense. See, I was super long-winded, and it, now it's not <laughs> powerful and didn't make any sense because I just couldn't shut up. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah, people that have listened to the show for any period of time <laughs> know that I just 
I, I am the opposite of this in, in many ways. I just, and I repeat myself and I repeat myself and I repeat myself. Gotta let it be, Dave. Anyways, carrying on. Verse 23 says, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, meaning Jesus, holds his, priest, his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. That's a good one, Dave. Never thought about it that way before. Because death is just such like, you know, a part of life. Well, of course they can't be priests forever. Mm-hmm. They're going to die. But Jesus can. I, it, it, but I never thought about it in terms of no that, right? No. I can never, right. that, that juxtaposition of, well, they can't be priests forever because they're going to die, but Jesus can be because he conquered death. It's like, yeah, that makes total sense. But man, when you say it like that, it really does help solidify that Jesus is in his own class as, you know, if I needed a reminding of that, which, you know, I do most days. So, you know, thank you, author of Hebrews, for that. But, yeah, just the comparison of how Jesus is fundamentally different. Though he was man, he's also God. So, he can continue his priesthood forever because... He's conquered death. And that leads right into verse 25. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So he's not just living forever for the sake of living forever. He's doing it so that he can constantly make intercession for us. Which, man, that's good news, Dave. Yeah, and that has always been one of those things for me that I just am blown away by the fact that, and it's a consistent message of, you know, Jesus interceding on our behalf. Uh, And yeah, it is good news. It's incredibly powerful. And there's, I don't think there's anybody I'd want more interceding for me (laughs) on my behalf than, than Jesus. So, and it, and yeah, it's clearly in the nature of, uh, you know, the essence of who he is, that he does this. So, yeah, incredibly powerful, incredibly cool that God, that Jesus would do that for us. So, yeah, it's, it's just one of those ones where I'm just like, why? You know, he's <laughs> yeah, got, you yeah. know, he's got better stuff that he could be doing. <laughs> Certainly less depressing and more enjoyable stuff. But is it better? I oh, mean, isn't no? Is that... Yeah, that okay. That that. Thank, thank <laughs> Sorry. you. No, 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 no. I'm 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 not being sarcastic. I was being a bit sarcastic, but you <laughs> yeah, called me no, on no. it, and I appreciate it because I don't need to make light of that. I shouldn't. Um, yeah, and it's just an incredible thing because you think about that. Like you take any just prominent person, leader, uh, whether political, in the church, an influencer, whatever you want to say. And I, I, you know, I don't think, I, I don't naturally think of anybody that's in a power of position, a power of influence, using that 
to, in essence, go before God and petition him on my behalf, you know, and that's just, that is just such an incredible thing when you think about that's what Jesus does because nobody else really does that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, maybe your mom or your grandma or, but certainly not people of position and at least not the vast majority of people of position don't choose to use that to uh, not just benefit the lives of others, but truly enter into a place of, um, you know, going before God and um, pleading um, for our status in terms of just how we are before him. And I don't, I don't know. I, it's the words aren't, aren't, aren't flowing for me, but just that it's just such a powerful thing of him just going before God. And he has influence too, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he, he's heard, he's <laughs> not just saying empty words. He has influence. He has power. That's a great point. Um, you know, and so that's just such an incredible thing because so often in our, our, our finite mortal world, that's not how people choose to use their power and influence. But again, we serve a good God. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. Carrying on in verse, um, 26, it says, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a great high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Again, that's a one yeah. sentence, a one <laughs> sentence explanation of how Jesus fulfilled the entire law. How he replaced the entire sacrificial system by one act. Yes. And 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 and, and has the qualifications to do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? Holy, innocent, unstained, separated <laughs> from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Yeah, that's a great call out, Dave. Absolutely. And what? So, I guess what's really kind of like the, the picture I have in my mind, right? Is like you see, like in in the Bibles that have like you know renderings of what the temple looked like, just how big it was, and the whole sacrificial system, and all the the multitudes of different sacrifices for different things, different you know, festivals, different uh, occasions, and the the level of detail that was involved and just the sheer number of animals that were killed, uh, you know, for the different kinds of offerings and just the the ecosystem that developed around the sacrificial system. And it was like this, its own, like, world unto itself around the temple. Yeah. In one guy who happened to be holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. You know. But one 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 guy did one unthinkable thing and replaced 
centuries, if not millennia, of a system that, like I said, just, it would, what, what would be a good, I don't even know if we need a, an, an illustration, right? But just think about that. The entire sacrificial system that, that had gone on for ages in the temple, mm-hmm. everything that this, this people group had come to know about sin and how it was atoned for and, and everything that God did to point out the sin in their lives in one action, all of it was replaced and finished and fulfilled and finalized and ended. Yeah. I mean, think about like, imagine one person, like Jesus did one thing today and none of us ever had to go back to work again. (laughs) Yeah. It was a full-time job for the priests (laughs) to run the sacrificial system. Oh yeah, exactly. And all the rituals that they had to do so that they could stay clean and the sacrifices they had to commit for themselves and then for other, it's just like, you're no longer employed here. Yeah. Like we don't need you anymore. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a complete lifestyle. All. Yeah. Just absolutely consume them and who they were and no longer needed. Yeah. Jesus. That is crazy. For the law appoints men in their weaknesses, or sorry, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. And again, right, there's just the juxtaposition between the human nature of the Levitical priests and the divine nature of Jesus as the final high priest, that he is able to replace the entire order of the Levites because he's been made perfect forever by God. Yeah. So it's not just like he showed up with a whole bunch of money or with a better <laughs> college degree, right? He, you know, like it says, he's holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. And for that reason, he is able to replace the entire system that had been established solely to point out repeatedly and in excruciating detail that people are sinners. Yeah. Any simpler, easier. I mean, it, you know, it's not like it got, complicated it, it was i mean it really i mean you're talking about and and i guess in an in essence it should still be a lifestyle is as the words are coming out of my mouth but it's not a complicated lifestyle it doesn't require the constant well at least what i perceive to be constant effort i'm sure at some point it became habit for them it became routine um but yeah, it's 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 still a lifestyle, but it's there's an element of um, stepping away from the routine, stepping away from the just you know 
systematic process of, of all of this and it being more about a relationship, it being more about living and being, you know, fully present. And I, you know, even as I say that it, it kind of, even, I think about our conversation as, as we began this of, you know, um, human beings have always had a sense of humor. Human beings have always enjoyed, uh, you know, joking and, and laughing and, and being in relationship and that sort of thing. So I guess my point being is, is, you know, it, it did completely change the game. Um, but I think there's an, I think in, in all of this, I, I, I take the human element out of it. And, and I don't know because I wasn't a firsthand observer uh, to all of this. Um, of what was truly happening, but I do know that Jesus made it a better way and uh, we should be incredibly grateful for that. Agreed. Agreed. Well, friends, turns out Jesus is pretty awesome. <laughs> Who knew? Well, sometimes we just need to be reminded, right? Like there's yeah, oh absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm absolutely. reading I'm reading um Shaped by the Gospel by Tim Keller with uh, a group of folks from my church. Uh-huh. And it's all about what the gospel is, what the gospel isn't, what the gospel affects, and then how we can have you know, how, how we can uh let the gospel renew our hearts and our minds and and therefore our church, our communities, our cities. Um, that sort of stuff. And it's, it's one of those things he spends three chapters talking about the very basics of what the gospel is like 65 pages. And it's really easy to be like, Oh yeah, I know what the gospel is. Well, and like (laughs) say it like that, like it's not the hugest deal that's ever happened ever. Right. And it's so easy for us that to become comfortable or numb to something that we hear or see over and over and over again and easily forget the the craziness, the impact, the power, the strength, the audacity of something, right? Familiarity breeds contempt is the is the saying, right? And in some cases it just breeds boredom if it's not aggressive, right? And I just think sometimes it's just really nice to be blindsided by the truth of the gospel and the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of how amazing God's willingness to forgive the lengths that he will go to. Like we were joking earlier about, you know, doesn't Jesus probably have better stuff to do? And you made the very prescient point. Well, well, does he have better things to do? And the the answer is obviously no, because if he had better things to do, he wouldn't have shown up. He wouldn't have shown up and died. Like if he had better things to do, he wouldn't have chosen that terrible, terrible thing to go through, but he did because he chooses to have a relationship with his people. And he chooses to want to set it right because that is the best thing that he chooses to do is to show us his glory and to show us his mercy and to show us the beauty of true relationship and to want to restore all of those things to their right and perfect way so that we can all enjoy it together. And 
I'll say it again, man. God's pretty awesome. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. I think that's a good place to uh, to uh, slam this baby in park. What do you say? I'm all for that. Yep. Awesome. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us for this 183rd episode of the Masterclass Podcast. Uh, my name is still Cam. His name is still Dave. And we are so glad that you, uh, you know, care to listen and um, let us take up uh, you know, some of your time and your brain space and, uh, yeah, just appreciate it very much as usual folks. Show notes are in your podcast app of choice, or you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash one eighty three. Click on the links for the cool stuff, uh, ways to get in contact, say, Hey, what's up? You know, all that stuff in there as well. And, uh, Dave, I think I just need to woo pig suey to end the show. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, see you next time. I tried. Bye. <laughs>